Chi Alpha and um, and know already know probably as much as I do about the ministry and just how powerful it is. But um, Chi Alpha is huge among college campuses all across the United States and. Um, Fargo and North Dakota State and UND um, probably have some of the best, if not the best, um, ministry on a college campuses. But um, being from Missouri, the University of Missouri, I thought was really good. And coming to North Dakota State and knowing Brad Lewis there, um, our goal is to have him come one of these times and um, and and speak to us about the ministry. Uh, that's going on there, but uh, please pray. And you know, my heart for youth, being a youth pastor for a long time, but um, this generation, uh, we can complain a lot about the generation, but we can also pray for them. And there are so there are millions of young people that are on fire for the Lord and just doing amazing things to reach their friends and um, their peers. And so Chi Alpha does that in just a tremendous way. And so we want to um, support them always and, and just be in prayer for them. Today's message uh, that God laid on my heart is um, a great one, kind of one off by itself. And then we'll start a series the, the rest of this summer. But um, as I was preparing uh, for it, I just felt... Uh, a call to talk about the power that's in a name. What's in a name? Our names have meanings. Um, when our parents name us, sometimes they have a meaning to the name. Sometimes it's to honor a family heritage. This is a name that's been passed down from generations to generations, and they want to keep that going. Or uh, our name could describe what our parents want us to be or uh, want to have in a child. Uh, but our names have meanings. How many of you know what your name means? Yeah, you can raise your hand. That's what I mean. Yeah. So a lot of times we know what our name means. Our parents have passed that uh, meaning to us. Um, how many of you are named after a relative? So you're a family name that's passed down. Uh, my middle name has been like four generations, and so we um, named our, we use that name and with our children as well. And uh, so your parents wanted you to pass on uh, this family name. Sometimes if there's no, um, I had a friend that was only, da had only daughters, and so their daughter named their kid, used the, the dad's last name, in the naming of the, like the middle name of their son to kind of try to pass on that last name so it doesn't end at that generation, right? It's special to have a meaning or to carry on a family name. Names can have good reputation or bad reputation. As the uh, youngest child of three, I'm the baby of the family, and when I would get to high school, no doubt, I would, they would be calling names and, oh, Kevin Gustafson, are you Steve's brother? I, yes, but I have my own identity. <laughs> and a lot of times my, my brother was good and so it wasn't a bad reputation. I've seen it go the other way, like, oh, you're Bob's brother. Oh, no. <laughs> Great. Right? And you're immediately judged for whatever your brother did. So thankfully I had um, good siblings. Um, 
But we feel pressure sometimes to uphold a family name and to follow in footsteps of whatever our fathers or our grandfathers have done. Sometimes, though it's a negative reaction to our name. I've had high school students that uh, fall into the same habits that their uh, dad has done or their uh, grandparent has done, and, and they'll dismiss it or, and, and just kind of succumb to the temptation because, well, my dad was an alcoholic, so I'm going to be an alcoholic, or my grandpa was an alcoholic. And so um, it can have a negative uh, impact on us as well. But there is power in names. Our names give us power. They give us access or benefits. For example, um, I've been at a VIP at an event where uh, we were placed in a leadership uh, position and a thousand other people didn't, didn't get to do what I got to do only because of the power that was ascribed to my name in that event, right? I could meet the speaker, uh, meet the bands, have uh, a meal, have access to the green room. I always thought the green room was this like, wow, I got to be in the green room. Like, why do they call it green? The last church we came from in Williston had a green room. So when we built it, I stood there like, I'm in the green room, but it's gray and it's not as, not as special as I was thinking it was. But anyway, because I had VIP treatment ascribed to my name, I had the power, uh, more power and more benefits than uh, the others in that event. Well, why? You could argue that we earned that. We earned our name or we've earned uh, what is ascribed to us. But that power was granted to us when someone uh, put us in that position. They put our name on the list or ascribed that authority to us. Which brings me to my point today. Maybe you guys are following uh, what I'm trying to get at. That we want to make sure, you want to make sure your name is in the book of life so that you are adopted into the family of God, the most powerful name uh, on earth in heaven um, is the name of God, the Lord, because that family name is what gives us power and authority as we walk and uh, follow the Lord. There's power in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, in Jehovah, uh, James 2.19 tells us that demons believe in God and they tremble, okay? Luke 10.17, the disciples are amazed at the ministry that's happening and they tell Jesus that even the demons are subject to us in your name. There's a couple stories I want to get to that illustrate this point powerfully. The first one is Acts 19, if you want to turn with me uh, to that. Acts 19, Acts is in kind of the middle of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Uh, we're going in at, towards the end uh, of the book. It's called Acts because it's the Acts of the Apostles, what they've done after Jesus uh, had died and rose and ascended into heaven. Um, 
This chapter is starting, Paul is starting his third missionary journey, and he's beginning in Ephesus. This is, um, they estimate, anywhere in the mid-50s A.D., so 53 to 57 A.D. And if you remember, Jesus died probably around 30 uh, A.D. So this is 20, 25 years uh, later in all the ministry that's been going on. Paul begins in Ephesus at this time, and he stays there for almost three years. And the beginning of this chapter 19 just describes how miraculous things were happening uh, through Paul and the ministry that he was doing uh, with the believers in Ephesus. And verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Um, Nothing was powerful about the handkerchiefs, but they were saying, man, Paul has an anointing. If he would just pray for this cloth and I could take it to my buddy and uh, I would, uh, that cloth would represent or bring the anointing and bring the prayer that Paul has prayed over it and people were being healed and set free through that ministry it's a powerful um, a, a powerful testimony but then the next portion of this story uh, might bother some of you if you don't understand the spiritual uh, world of angels and demons or if you have never encountered it um, but I have, and this story proves how powerful uh, the name of Jesus is. Some Jews, verse 13, tells us that some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. It says that seven sons of a, a Jewish chief priest named Sceva were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them. Oh, okay, I don't know how much dealings you have done with demon-possessed um, people. I've prayed uh, and had a few encounters. Not very often do the demons uh, speak back to you, Okay. It's very real, very powerful. They do uh, believe in God. They tremble at him. Jesus, the name of Jesus, has authority over them. It's very real. Anyway, so they, uh, they, where was I? Here we go. Um, Verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, the sons of Sceva, and overpowered all of them. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Okay? Um, This demon in this story explains my point very clearly. They know Jesus. He has authority over them. Because of him dying on the cross, conquering death, he he conquered hell and the grave. And the the disciples would go around and they could cast out demons in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Paul. 
And Paul tells us uh, a few different times that it's not him that's healing people. It's not him that's setting people free. The ministry that he's doing is only under the authority that he has in the name of Jesus. But this demon tells him, I know Jesus and I know about Paul. Paul has cast out demons in the name of Jesus. So this demon has probably encountered Paul and the other disciples in the past. He knows about Paul. But who are you? The son of Sceva is a Jew. He's not a believer in Jesus. But he's trying to use the authority of one like Paul. Saying, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Like, no, there's no power in the name of Paul. Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number, this is awesome, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. It's estimated that a drachma is like a, a, a day's wage. 50,000 worth. And in verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. The name of the Lord is powerful. Paul was an amazing leader of the Christian movement, the early church and all the missionary journeys that he went on and the other disciples, apostles went with him. But it wasn't his name that was achieving these. There wasn't power in his name. There was power in the name of Jesus. The story of David and Goliath is the next one I'd like to illustrate this point. And a lot of us are familiar uh, with that, but I want to point out to you a different perspective. What's this story often called? The story of David and Goliath. What is it in, even in the human, the secular world, what is it? An underdog story, right? An underdog story that when we're, whether it's in sports or whether whatever it would be, they often will use uh, the story of David and Goliath as, well, the guy that wasn't supposed to win uh, was going up against this guy that was definitely going to win, and uh, the guy that wasn't won. It was an underdog story, a Cinderella story, whatever it be. But this was an underdog story, and who is the underdog? This is a uh, class participation moment. So who's the underdog in the story? David. David. Why? Because he's small, he's little, he's young. Okay, all of those things are true. But here we go, we're judging David, right? That you can't do nothing, you're too little. All of his brothers were saying the same thing. God had, if you turn to 1 Samuel 17 is where uh, the story is found. And 1 Samuel's in the, uh, towards the beginning of your Bible. Okay? God has anointed him 
to be the next king of Israel during the time that Saul is king. Okay, that's not normally uh, what happens, but as you read and uh, study it, we know Saul has done uh, different things, disobeying God, kind of doing things on his own, and so God is replacing him. Um, Jesse, uh, he's going to re- Samuel is the prophet, and he's been directed that the next king is going to come from the family of Jesse. Uh, Jesse brings all of his sons. He has seven, but he leaves one of them at home, the youngest one, David, to tend the sheep, because Samuel's not going to pick David, okay? I have seven other sons that are huge and strong and older and experienced. It's got to be one of those that God wants. And again, we're familiar. He brings through the oldest, the strongest, the wisest, the tallest. None of them were the ones that God is choosing. And so Samuel pleads with Jesse, you got to have another son. Well, I do actually in the, you know, out in the field. Let me go get him. And boom, it's David. And Samuel knows he's the one to be anointed king. Okay. After this story takes place, uh, the brothers are in the army of Israel and they're, they're battling the Philistines and it's a different type of battle they would do uh, back then instead of everyone fighting and uh, having a lot of bloodshed and, and deaths, they would take their best fighters and those two would fight and whoever won, their country won and the others would be slaves to them. Okay? So... The procedure, uh, I just went over that. So Goliath was the Philistines' warrior. And who was the Israelites' best fighter? The best warrior of the, there was about 3,000 in their army. And Saul, who's king, uh, he's the biggest, he's the tallest. He was obvious to be their king, but he can't be their warrior. You wouldn't send your king out to fight because if he dies, whoa, you just killed our king. That wouldn't, uh, they don't want that to happen. So uh, King Saul is um, trying to get other uh, warriors in his army um, to volunteer to fight. And each morning and evening, um, some of this story doesn't get talked about a lot, but do you know how many times Goliath came out to challenge the people? Every morning, every evening, 40 days, 80 times. Every time the army would line up, I don't know if they were thinking, oh, I'm going to look really strong and big, but someone else is going to volunteer. I'm not going to volunteer. And they said every time they would run in fear and they would tremble. Um, We know that Goliath was a giant and um, uh, undefeated warrior, powerful man. So uh, he would come out and he would taunt them. He would challenge them. He would defy their God. And every time, the Israelites would tremble in fear until one day, while David is there, Jesse sends him. We're going to wrap up real fast. But um, Jesse sends David to the battlefield to take lunch to his brother's. And he was that pesky little uh, brother that wanted to know what was happening. And so he's talking to his brothers. He's talking to the, their friends. 
And while he's having these conversations, Goliath comes out and makes his taunt and makes his challenge. And the Israel army runs in fear and David is standing there. It would be amazing to be in that moment with him. I would love to, to see that. And he's seeing his brothers flee and, and the ones that were taunting him probably being a little guy and they're running and he's saying, what's going on? Who's going to fight this guy? He's defying our God. He's blaspheming the Lord. And it ticks off David. He calls him this uncircumcised Philistine is taunting the armies of the living God. So he goes to Saul and he volunteers uh, to be the one that's going to fight Goliath. Saul uh, doubts that David would be able to do this. Okay, And verse 34 is an awesome uh, verse, the next few that we'll quote here. He, David says to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep, uh, I went after it, and I would strike it and rescue the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Wow. He's bold. He's courageous. Why? Because he knows that the Lord of Israel will protect him. The battle's already won. The real, uh, I don't want to jump to that yet, <laughs> okay? So David goes out to the battle line, and he has his sling, he has a stone, he has a stick with him. Goliath is offended that they would send a boy to fight after 80 times of drawing the battle line and seeing the rest of the army, they, they send a boy And David, uh, he curses David, and, and David's response to Goliath in verse 45 illustrates our point again this morning. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David is not going to fight Goliath. He knows God is fighting Goliath. Goliath probably doesn't realize what's happening in this moment. But the real underdog in this battle, in this story, isn't David. The underdog is Goliath. I just heard, um, just a finishing wrap to this, I, I was in a meeting uh, at a camp this week, and uh, the guy was pointing out this in, in, in this story. And he said, when David comes up uh, and no one else wants to fight Goliath, it's like he, he found a winning lotto uh, ticket on the ground and he knows he's gonna, he, this, whoever has this ticket is going to win millions of dollars. And he's asking different ones, why aren't you uh, taking this ticket? Is this your ticket? No, 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 no. He knows that the battle is won. 
He knows that Goliath is defeated. The army should have known that God is on their side, that God is going to fight. It's not going to be David that, that defeats Goliath. He knows the victory is his, and it's like that he has that winning ticket. It's already won. He just has to turn it in. He just has to volunteer. And so he volunteers, I'll go out there. I don't need your armor. I don't need your swords. I don't need an armor bearer. Man, God has helped me to defeat others. He's going to help me to defeat the Philistine. It's done. It's over. Goliath is the underdog in this battle. And we know the rest of the story. David had confidence that he can defeat the giant. Why? Because he's strong and arrogant? No. Because the Lord is on his side. Like I pointed out during the prayer time today, God told Moses, while Moses was leading the Israelites away from the Egyptians, and they're going towards the Red Sea and they're trapped, and God tells him, the Lord will fight for you. Just be silent. Calm down. Follow me. We got this. When Gideon was protecting Israel from the Midianites, God told him, I will save you with 300 men. The story where he had to uh, riddle down his army uh, to fight with 300 so they would know that it wasn't them winning the battle, that it was God that was going to win the battle for them. We sometimes, maybe more often than not, we try to fat, fight the battles that come into our life and we struggle. Like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And we need to have the confidence that David had. There is no hesitation on his part because he already knew the battle is over. I don't know how we're going to defeat Goliath. I have a couple stones and a sling. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he knew that God was going to be victorious over Goliath and that he would protect Israel. He had protected them so many other times. And it's the same with us. God has won so many victories in our life already. Why do we hesitate when another battle comes up, when another situation comes up? Man, I've learned the lesson too many times of when I try to do it, I mess it up, and then I turn to God, and it goes well. Why don't I do that in the beginning? I don't know, because I'm 43 and 44, and so maybe by the time I'm 60, I'll learn Okay, but today, would you stand with me as we close, and musicians, if you would come. No matter what your uh, story is, no matter where you're at in your uh, walk with the Lord today, man, if you could understand the power that's in the name of Jesus, and that if you uh, can uh, be adopted into his family by believing in him, accepting him as your Lord and Savior, your name written in the book of life, you're adopted as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and the power that's in his name is then ascribed to you. You don't have the power, but you have access through the name of Jesus. Just like Paul. It wasn't Paul doing the things. It was the, the authority that had been given to him through the name of Jesus. It wasn't David 
that fought. It was the authority given him through the name of the Lord. So Heavenly Father, God, I pray as we wrap up today, would you help us to see in our life where we need uh, to hand the power over to you and we need to stop fighting and struggling. God, you have won the battle. You won the victory. You have the victory over whatever circumstance that we may be going through. God, would uh, in these closing moments help us, God, to give those uh, battles to you, Jesus. If we've never, uh, we don't have a relationship with you, God, and we need that, we want to make that commitment to you today, God. Uh, Help us in this moment uh, to yield our life to you, to turn over our hearts to you, to declare that we're going to follow you, Jesus. We repent of our sins and turn to you, God. That our name is in that book and the power and authority uh, to live a life of victory is ours through the name of Jesus. Church, as we close with this song, would you uh, think of those things? If you would like prayer, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you about any anything. But sing with us as we close. God, that we don't have to fight alone. We don't have to go through the struggles alone. That this life can be hard and bring us so much uh, difficulty, but we're not walking it alone under our own power. God, help us to walk in victory and have the confidence like David, like Gideon, Lord, that they knew um, that you would be with them, that you would fight for them. Bless each one today, God. Help us uh, through this week, God, that you would be our strength, Lord. I pray as we go in uh, to dinner this afternoon, Lord, would you just bless the hands that prepared it, bless our fellowship time together help us to be uh, encouraging to one another and just our our conversations would just be uplifting to one another and just um, anoint them we could just be having fun but use us to encourage each other Lord, and just pray a blessing as we go this week would you go with us lord under the powerful name of jesus we pray amen amen you can be dismissed and Uh, We'll obviously have the food back here in probably just a few minutes, but you can go back and see they may be ready already. But uh, please stay with us, have some food with us, and meet uh, Rianne at the table in the back and visit with her too.